Morning, morning. I got it. Is that a little louder? Good? Okay, good morning, everyone. I'm still excited about the messages about the titles, titles of the Holy Spirit. This is part three, and hopefully next week, Lord willing, will be part four. That will be the end of that series. I'm going to say it again, and you'll probably notice I'm going to be repeating myself a lot, and I want you to know that this was done with a careful study of the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm hesitating because I don't want to get ahead of myself. And if you notice me speeding up, maybe it's because of the Holy Spirit. So the title's up there, Titles of the Holy Spirit, and let's just go to one. You're going to notice, as I said, I'm going to be repeating myself. So this first section, which I'm on right now, is going to be repeated. What's he called? Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit's glory, Spirit of life, his vitality, which I really hope to focus on mightily. C, Spirit of holiness, his holiness. And if you notice, the next three all have the same parenthesis. Holy Spirit, His Holiness. Holy One, His Holiness. As I said, I'm going to be number two. Titles of the Holy Spirit. I'm about ready to get ahead of myself already, so I might as well ask you right now. Do you have the Holy Spirit living within you. Can I get a witness? And I'm going to say this succinctly and candidly. I'm not picking on anyone. If you don't have the Holy Spirit resident within you, you're not a Christian. Spirit of glory, the Holy Spirit's glory. B, spirit of life, his vitality. Spirit of holiness, his holiness. D, Holy Spirit, his holiness. And I may be saying this for myself in order to concentrate. Holy One, his holiness. And I have scriptures to back this up. Number three. This is the last time. So I put them in order, one in front of the other. Spirit of glory. We're going to talk about that first. Spirit of life. His vitality. Spirit of holiness. His holiness. Holy Spirit again. His holiness. And Holy One. Why is he called the Holy One? There's a little bit of debate. There I go. Debate about that. We'll get to that. Number four. Spirit of glory. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, 
happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. Some of you, when you spoke up for the Lord, you've got, I don't want to hear it, and all kind of unusual remarks, sometimes very debasing. But don't let that stop you. Can I get an amen? amen. Keep on lifting up the name. Now, I know we're on the Holy Spirit, but if you're speaking through the Holy Spirit and you're being chastised or put down, don't give up. And S-A-B, if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory out of God rests upon you. Yes, if you think I didn't do any research, and I'm going to say this again, any minister worthy of the Lord's calling, you've got to do some research. And don't leave it up to the Holy Spirit. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. From Robertson's Word Pictures, the reference is to the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of glory and of God, rest upon you. This is a quotation from Isaiah 11.2, talking about Jesus. And we also should see my favorite verse, Matthew 11.28. This is an invitation to come to Jesus. He rests upon the Christian as the Shekinah. That's an important subject this morning. Rest upon the tabernacle. First Peter 1 Peter 1.8, Matthew 3.16. Here's First Peter 1.7. Whom having not seen, you love. In whom, though now we see him not, we, we rejoice or we believe. You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I find myself getting off track right away, so I might as well just go and say it. Do you have any joy in your life? If you have the Holy Spirit, one of his fruits is the Holy Spirit, said it wrong, is joy. Do you have any joy? I heard some untimely remarks about myself this morning. And I'm not going to even get into it. But I'm going to tell you this. I had joy. I said, praise God. I can take it. I'm not a... Oh, he, she said something about me. I'm just so sorry. I'm not sorry for myself. I got some joy. And every Christian who has the Holy Spirit, it's time for us to say, okay, I'll just take it to the Lord. 
in prayer. I'm going to let you handle that, Lord. I'm not going to open my mouth. I'm just going to let you handle it. Matthew 3.16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Number six. I don't expect you to try to remember this, so if you want a copy of this, you're quite welcome. I'm speaking about the Shekinah glory. The Hebrew Bible mentions several places when the presence of God was felt and experienced at the Shekinah, including the burning bush and the cloud that rested on Mount Sinai. Shekinah was often pictured as a cloud or a pillar of fire, and was referred to as the glory of God. The word Shekinah is not found in the Bible. It appears in the Mishnah, the Talmud, and the Madrish. I'm not asking you to remember those pictures. <clears throat> the next picture Here's the Shekinah glory. When Moses met the Lord, and the Lord told him, take off your shoes because you're on holy ground. I'm going to add to that this. When you come into the presence of God, You're on holy ground. Can I get a witness? And as such, we ought to be willing to submit to his awesome holiness. And I know I'm going to get ahead of myself, so let me slow it down. Did you know that every born-again Christian, I'm going to repeat it, if he's living right with God, that Shekinah glory through the Holy Spirit lives within you. The Holy Spirit, the Lord of glory, and according to your willingness to submit to his presence, his special presence, he keeps shining better and better and filling your life with joy unspeakable and full of glory. I don't know if you knew that. Moses saw that glory. <clears throat> Say rest. We just read about Matthew, <clears throat> with the Shekinah glory, not Matthew, but you saw it. Here's the ultimate rest. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. 
I wonder who that is. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. I'm going to ask you, you already know who this is. This is Jesus Christ. But here's what he says about you and me. Come unto me. All you are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Coming, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. But I'm talking about the Lord Jesus right now. I'm going to ask you a most vital question. Have you come to Jesus? Have you let him share his burden with you? Come unto me, all you that are heavy laden, labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Before you came, before some of you came this morning, there were different people in this church who saw people who were crying and weeping. And somehow, not somehow, they came over to that person and prayed with them. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for anyone who's in deep, deep trouble? Can I get an amen? You know what? I'm going to say this. That could be you and me. In a sense, we're no better than other people. But when you come to Jesus and let him share that burden, he'll give you rest. He will. That's number seven. <clears throat> number eight. Once again, who is this person? I just said something that's not in the text. Maybe the reason is because I know and every Christian should know that the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not an active force. He's not like the wind or some other object. He's a person. Once again, who is this spirit of glory that rests upon you and me. The glorious and divine spirit. There is no doubt that there is a reference to the Holy Spirit and the meaning is that they might expect that the spirit would rest upon them or abide with them if they were persecuted for the cause of the Lord. There may be some allusion here in the language to the fact that the spirit of God descended upon and bowed upon the Savior at his baptism, John 1.33. And in like manner, they might hope to have the same Spirit resting on you. Yes, I know the Holy Spirit dwells on every Christian, but in a sense, he rests on them too.
spirit of glory, John 1, And I, that is John the Baptist, knew him, Jesus, not, but he, that is God, that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom you see the spirit descending, there he is, the spirit, remaining on him, the same is he which shall baptize with the Holy Spirit. This is a detour. Every born-again Christian is baptized in the body of Christ by, not water. No, I didn't say you shouldn't get baptized. I didn't say that. But I'm saying every born-again Christian who has trusted in Jesus Christ is baptized into the body of Christ. And I, John the Baptist, did not recognize Jesus, but he, God, who helped who sent me to baptize in water, said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I've been thinking about this for a long time. Do you recognize Jesus when you see him by means of the Holy Spirit? Or... Is it just like in this book? No, I'm not going to read from the book. Is he just a prophet? Is he just a teacher? Is he just a great follower? Or do you recognize him as the eternal son of God? That's the point you got to come to. You got to recognize him more than just a prophet, more than just a messenger, more than just a good example. He's the Savior God. That's who he is. John's assertion that he did not know Jesus or assurances, or assertions that he did not know him to be the Messiah. He believed it, as appears from the reluctance to baptize him. But he didn't know him. He didn't know it. His language to the people shows that this, John one twenty six, many of the people must have known Jesus, but none of them knew him to be the Messiah. Let me repeat this again. Do you know the Messiah? Do you know the Savior of the world? Do you know that scripture which says there is no other name, none other name, not Buddha, not whoever you want to put in those black. Do you know him as the true and living Savior, not just in your head, but in your heart? Do you know him? There is no other name given among men whereby you must be saved. I'm going to say this. I don't know who I'm talking to. Some of you here, you do not know Jesus. Every knee is going to bow. Whether you confess it now or you confess it later, 
and every tongue is going to confess, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the Messiah. He's the sent one. He's the anointed one. That he, as someone also said, he is Lord. And Lord in the highest sense in God's word means he's Adonai. He's a hybrid name, Jehovah. Number 11. Moreover, when John denied that he knew Jesus as let me start over. Moreover, when John denied that he knew Jesus as Messiah, we must not take it to mean he was ignorant of the past history of Jesus. No doubt he knew in a general way. That's what I'm getting to. I'm not picking on you, whoever you are. You know him in a general way. Who Jesus was. But as the official forerunner and acknowledger or announcer of Jesus and the heaven-sent witness, <clears throat> it was necessary that the Baptist should receive by personal revelation from God. Say personal. You and I need a personal encounter with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that can only happen through the Holy Spirit. As here stated, and I have trouble saying this word, so I'm not going to say it, but it means absolute knowledge of the Messiah. Without this, John would not have been truly qualified as a witness. Say witness. Are you and I a witness for Jesus Christ? Through the Holy Spirit. And as someone has already told me, and others have told me, you cannot be a witness without the Holy Spirit. And he'll tell you what to say and how to say it according to the people you meet. It's not a, it's not a standard answer for everybody. It's the answer the Holy Spirit gives you. Without this, John would not have been qualified. That Jesus, the Son of God, might know rest upon him. John kept silent till he could testify of his own. I'm going to say this. I'm hoping that everyone in here, let me get this right, can testify about Jesus. He deserves it. Somehow, I'm missing a page, and I know it. And I hope I'm going to go, I'm going to go back to it if I can find it. <clears throat> the essential idea is that if we are called to suffer in the cause of Redeemer, let me slow down. Uh, the essential idea is that if we're called to suffer in the cause of the Redeemer. 
they would not be left or forsaken. I'm going to say this intervening. Do you know the whole, do you know the Bible promises that God is never going to forsake you? He's never going to leave you, even in, especially in your, he's not going to forsake you. The presence of the Shekinah glory. They might hope that God would support them or impart to them his spirit, there it is, to them in proportion to their sufferings in behalf of religion and that they would have an added joy. This is doubtless the cause of those who suffer and this is a secret reason why they are so sustained. Do you know that the Holy Spirit sustains you when you're suffering? He doesn't leave you bereft. That's a fairly big word for saying he's with you all the time. Their persecution are made the reason for much abundant effusion up. Let me slow down. Out pouring of the spirit in their sufferings. You see, I have this highlighted, and this is the reason. Number 13, the same principle applies doubtless to all the suffer. The same Holy Spirit, doubtless to all the forms of trial which the children of God pass through in sickness, bereavement, loss of property, disappointment in the worldly plans, and death itself, they might hope that the larger measures of the Holy Spirit influence will rest upon them. Hence, it is often gained to the believer to suffer. If you're a Christian and you're following the will of God, you are going to suffer. I say that for those who think that just because you're a Christian, you don't, you don't have any sorrows, you don't have any grief. And one of the reasons is to draw you and me closer to him. That's what it does. Who shall suffer us? There I go again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation for distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or pearl, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Can I get a witness? There was a song up there, I noticed it, or several songs, but one song said, Amazing Grace. Another song bordered on, His love is boundless. I don't know which song it was, but it said, His love is boundless. Can I get an amen? amen. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, 
nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor debt, nor any other creature shall be able to separate from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Nothing. I'm going to say this, and you're, some of you are not going to believe it. I hope you will. Nothing can save you but the Lord Jesus Christ. And once he saved you, you're saved forever. Don't you let any false prophet tell you that you could lose your salvation because you could have lost it. You would have lost it already. I got another version of the same thing. Who shall separate from the love of Christ? Notice this Christ. It didn't say God, it said Christ. I wonder why I said that. It's verbally inspired. Word of God says Christ. I wonder why. Because Jesus Christ is the eternal Son of God. He's God himself. And before I go on, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the person who died for you on that cross was God in human flesh. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to the slaughter. But in all things we are overwhelmingly conqueror through him who loved us. For I am not persuaded this time, convinced that neither death, say death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers. Now I told you to say death. Don't you know, for every born-again Christian, here he goes with that born-again stuff again. What's true? Death. The moment you leave this globe to be absent from the body is to be present. Not even death can separate you because the moment you die, as someone already said, you're issued into the presence of the Lord. In a split second, not even a split second, as someone just said, a millisecond. What's he going to say when you get there, if I can use that term? Is he going to say, well done? I'll leave the rest alone. Nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing. Not even the mightiest angel shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Wait a minute. Up here in verse, in verse 35 it said the love of Christ. Then down in here in verse 39 it says the love of God. Can I get a witness? Which is in Christ Jesus. And there's that word Lord again. Spirit of life. 
The first one was Spirit of God, a Spirit of glory. Now here's the Spirit of life. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set, I'm going to put your name in there, you and my free from the law of sin and death. Don't you know that every Christian, you've been set free. Set free from what? The law of sin and death. If the Son shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son shall set you free. I'm trying to compose myself here. You shall be free. Not just free, indeed. It sounds to me like an ultimate freedom. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What is the law of sin? If you sin, you shall die eternally. Some of you don't believe in an eternal hell. And I'm not trying to be funny. I don't even want to say it, but I better. You'll see it when you get there. But it'll be too late. Because you had every opportunity to call on the name above all names. But you got your own agenda. I'm going to do this on my own. Seventeen. The gospel of grace, which is not only a law, a rule of life, but affords sovereign energy. What do you mean by that? By which guilt is removed from your conscience? Why is that? Because the Lord of glory, and I'm using this in the sense of the Holy Spirit, allowed, motivated the Lord Jesus to go all the suffering he could go through for you and me. And what did he do? He removed from your conscious dead works. The power of sin is broken. The polluting influence of removed from your heart. The law was a spirit of death by which those who were under it were bound because of their sin to condemnation and death. The gospel provides or pro- pro- there I go again. The gospel Proclaims, thank you, brother, Jesus the Savior, and with the law bound us unto death, it looses. And thus the apostle says, whether himself or the man in whom he is personated, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free. Well, I got to go to this church in order to get saved. What you need 
is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you go to the church that God tells you to go to. I see no reason to doubt here. This refers to the Holy Spirit. The phrase, the spirit of life, then means the Holy Spirit producing or giving life, giving peace, joy, activity, salvation, in opposition to the law spoken of in chapter 7 that produced death and condemnation. Now, I'm going to ask you personally, and I want you to respond, yes or no, or you don't have to, but I'm asking you to. Do you have peace? Yes or no? Do you have joy? Do you have, are, you, are you active in the Lord? Are you doing something than just being a doorpost? Can you testify that you talked to somebody at least in the last month? Can I get a witness? For you who don't know it, do you know that God wants to give you a reward for faithful witnessing? I'm not going to get into it. He wants to give you a reward. I'm asking you, don't be a doorpost. Let me repeat those again. Peace, joy, activity, salvation. Number 19, work it out. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, wait a minute, Brother Bruce, you just told me salvation was free weeks ago. Now you're saying you've got to work for it. Please notice the context. Let me start at verse 12 again. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation, and some translations say own, with fear and trembling. It is God who is at work with you. It is God, the Shekinah person, working in you. These are people who are already saved. But he's telling you to work it out. How do you work it out? Do all things without grumbling and complaining or disputing. 15, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent. Children of God. Children of God. Say children of God. I'm going to repeat it again. These are people who are already saved. God is saying, work it out. Among who you appear as what? Lights. You and I ought to be lights in this world. We ought to be declaring that Shekinah glory that stems on the inside and wants to come out. Work it out. Carry it out to its full perfection. Salvation is worked in, believers. By the Spirit who enables you. It is the Holy Spirit who enables you to work it out. Philippians 2.13. I'm in the middle. For it is God who is at work in you both to will. I'm going to say this again. 
don't you know the Lord is working on your will and where it doesn't confirm to the will of God? If I can use this term, he's trying to twist it and turn it and do it to make it alongside what he wants for you in your life. Ephesians 1.11, also we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to his presence or purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will. Say counsel. It's his will, not yours. The other day, this is not on this sheet. I saw one of my Christian brothers having trouble with, I don't know how to say it, with another person. I said, have you asked the Lord to help you? You're asking about that person. But I said, are you asking the Holy Spirit that maybe there's something wrong with you to help you to see the perspective of the other person? Not only pray for him, pray for you. Pray that God will give you the right perspective. Sometimes we ask the Lord to change another person when we need to change. His counsel. Spirit of holiness. See. And declare to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. Here, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Who was declared this who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. I wonder who raised Jesus from the dead. Without going into detail, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. If you know anything about the scriptures, you know that Jesus said, I'll just give you one. I'll give you two. Romans 8. You can look that up for yourself. Jesus said, destroy this temple. And I will raise it up in three days. If you don't get it, I'll say it this way. He declared that he was going to raise up his own body in three days. And he did it. Where do you get that from? If in case you want to look it up, John chapter 2. The word declared in Romans 1-4 comes from the Greek word harizo and means to be bound, defined, determined, or limited. And hence the word Horizon, the line that determines the farthest visible part of the earth in reference to the others. In this place, the word signifies such a manifest and complete, 
I got to slow down, exhibition of the subjects as to render it without a doubt. What are you talking about? He said he's going to raise up his body in three days. The Bible says he's going to rise, and it's without a doubt. He rose from the grave in three days. The resurrection of Christ from the dead was such a manifest proof of his innocence. What do you mean by that? He said everything Jesus said, he did it. The truth of this doctrine and the fulfillment of all the prophets had spoken of. The prophets spoke about his resurrection. Examples of the word declared. And hath made one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the earth or the face of the earth and hath determined... I know I'm, I'm going too slow, so I know I'm not going to get done, so I'm just going to follow the pattern. Did you know it was determined that Jesus was going to die and raise again on certain days? Can I get a witness? He's not behind schedule. And I'm going to say this. It's not behind schedule when Jesus is working on you and me. He's working on you. Twenty-four, him being determined, counsel, and foreknowledge of God. Foreknowledge, say foreknowledge. Did you? I'm going to say this in case you don't know it. Let me slow it down. God knew the second through the Holy Spirit when His Son would say, "It is finished." He knew exactly when it was up. If I could put it that way. He knew exactly when he was going to pay for your sins. And I'm going to say this. It is an, it is an appointed once to die. You have an appointment. Whether you think you're going to... This is one thing you're not going to escape. When God says... Your time is up, and my time is up. It's up. For it is appointed once to die, the man. And after this, the judgment. But may I say this? Do you know that the judgment, condemnation for believers is already over? Amen. Jesus paid. I don't know why I'm getting so much on Jesus again. But I know why. Because we love him. You got an appointment. And whether or not you're going to keep it. This is one thing we're not going to be late for. You're going to keep it. Let me ask you this vital question. Are you ready? I'm going to go to 25. 26, I'm changing over. He limits a certain day. He fixed it. You have an appointment. I'm on 126. Therefore, talking about the resurrection, 
we are buried with him in baptism into death, the like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Let me repeat that in case you didn't get it. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. The like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, and I could say the Holy Spirit, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I'm going to ask you a question, and it applies to me too. Are you and I walking in the newness of life because of Christ's resurrection and the Lord of glory? Or are you and I still living in like we're not saved? Do you know it's possible to do that? Through the Spirit, all who are in Christ already sharing the benefits of his resurrection. What benefits? I'm free. I no longer have a guilty conscience about the things that I used to do. Can I get a witness? And you used to do. I've asked for forgiveness. He has forgiven you and me. For you have received not the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have the right to say, Abba. Say Abba. Do you know you can call Jesus without being impolite Father? Daddy, for the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Oh no, Brother Bruce, i got to wait till I'm dead. If, if, you, if you die without Jesus, it's too late. I'm going to say it again. The Spirit itself bears witness. You have a human spirit. That we, can, we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God. Think about it. You're an heir of God. In whom you trusted. When you heard the word of truth. Yes, I'm glad I'm on time. And you've got to give me a moment. Because this is so important. I don't know how I missed it. I'm going back to six people on, on the booth up there. If I don't find it, I'll just stop. Pardon me? Okay. Just keep it going. That's what I was told. Here's what I'll do. I'll, pray. I'll preach for two hours and 22 minutes more. I'll end with this, the cover. Does God exist? In the beginning, God. What's that lead to? He created the world out of nothing. He called the universe into existence. What's another one? Is the Bible 
the Word of God. Anyone who's been born again knows that the Word of God is true. What's another one? If there is a God, why is there so much evil? I can't answer that question. But you, you know what? When you see the Lord, and this book does answer it. When you see the Lord, you ask him. Because he's going to answer all your questions. Is the Bible the word of God? I just said it is the word of God. But the only way you can prove it, prove it is to know the living Christ as Savior. Can I get an amen? amen? I got one more minute to go, maybe two. I don't know where I don't know how I misplaced that, but I did. Go back to the first one, the Holy Spirit, part one, all the way back. I see it. Here it is. I want to take you back to the burning bush. And that's that right after six. What about you? What about you? What about me? I'm hesitating because I don't want to twist your arm. When you stand in the presence of the all-consuming God, the God who was without bidding, beginning and without end, when he says to you, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, when you stand in his presence, will he say to you, come on in? Or will he say to you, I never knew you. Depart from me. All you work iniquity. You can receive Jesus. You don't even have to be in this church. Can I get a witness? I don't care where you are. If you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. I'm done. Give the Lord a hand. Yeah. Thank you. Just a couple quick announcements.